dialed in to Box and Brews, you might hear something you can use. Like tips on your cash or tips on the suds. You're going to want to use the smarts of these stuff. Because they know the brews. And they know the box. And they know they can't help the stubborn fucks. So listen up, because shit's not funny. And save yourself some beer money. Bucks. And, and brews. Bucks and brews. And brews. Bucks and brews. Welcome back to Bucks and Brews. Uh, Nick? David? Last week was interesting. Last week was a... I, you know what? I loved it. I loved it, and it's funny because I was telling people, I was like, man, I finally had an episode where I got to open up and get so passionate about business and, like, driving somebody to fucking be successful. And it was like... Yeah, but the business you got excited about. Doesn't matter, but, like, the goals and the reality of life. I just, like, it brought me to, like, who, like, I loved, I loved teaching that stuff right like your goals are everything again i uh, i hope they have all the success yeah I, uh, I am not a believer in in that multi-level marketing yeah none yeah. of it none of it so um you know guys thanks so much for joining us today uh really excited to have a, a returning guest again um if you wouldn't mind like subscribe share tell your friends tell your family uh we appreciate all the love and support from you guys uh, today, David, because I don't care what you're drinking yet, uh, I'm drinking a, a Perrin Brewing Company Dream Seeker Raspberry Blonde. I have a couple of those left, which tells you how good they were because I didn't drink them all yet. Last right. Time. Not not your favorite <laughs> Perrin. Yeah. Um, I'm starting with a Forbidden Fruit Watermelon Hard Cider. Um, yeah, you don't like watermelon. I don't. This isn't great. This is more whiny than it is cidery. I do like wine. You might like this. You want to try? I do. Um, it's not bad. It's not one of my favorites. I also have uh, Peach Party from Blake's. and it still sucks. <laughs> Congrats, I don't like watermelon still. And, uh, caramel, salted caramel porter from uh, Pigeon Hill. That's better than this, though, which sounds really weird. Yeah, it's shocking, isn't it? Yeah. So as you said, we have one of our all-time favorite guests on, Jesse DeSilva, the Millennial Money Witch. Jesse, what you drinking? Because we know I'm she's drinking. drinking. Oh, I've got Swamp Head Wild Night, which is their honey cream ale. Nice. Like perfect drink yeah it's so good it's not my favorite cream ale my favorite cream ale comes from bold city brewery um out in jacksonville they have a killer whale ale it's so good i'll have to mm. send it to you guys but um this one is a really close second and i just relocated here so this is this game this is um a gainesville florida brewery and now i'm i'm back here so this is local beer Super congrats local. on the move thank you yeah it, was, it just happened like the weekend before last so. is, is is that art behind you i mean just still not hung up is that oh, what that is yeah it's I'm not, gonna, it's not i'm gonna call up. you out on your stuff yes uh, oh yeah all my stuff is still like uh stacked against the wall in my office but yeah, yeah the art's not up but the furniture is unpacked so yeah. we've lived in our house for eight years and when people come over and it's a mess i'm just like yeah we still haven't finished unpacking and we're still going with it <laughs> Man. I'm still saying that I bought my house in 2007. So. <laughs> that sounds like 20 years just, there. That sounds like a great life hack. I'm just going to adopt that. <laughs> You're just welcome for that, folks. Um, you know, I think I know why Jesse's one of our favorite guests. She never disappoints with with having a a, a good time. A, well, not not only that, but a good beer. Yeah. I mean, she always drinks something yeah. we haven't heard of. Yeah. So you probably you probably are our best drinking drinking guest. Yeah. Absolutely um except for, except for the guy from uh Pennsylvania. oh my god but that's for another day no i want to get into that 
Jesse, we did an episode that we couldn't publish. We've never not published an episode in our life. But this guy was so hammered by the time he got on. No. Uh, he was talking about coke and strippers and looking oh for looking God. for a girlfriend yep. like he he literally finished a fifth upside it was, have you ever seen catfish cooley no oh so he's a he's a anyway so the, he chugs like a full fifth but he used to he stopped drinking but oh yeah so this guy got an upside down bottle in his, and i was like dude like you we are bucks and brews we like to enjoy some beverages and talk some money like you are who he was way, gone and he got on, he's like, hey, sorry, I was nervous. I started pre-gaming. And I was like, what, at like 9 a.m., bud? Like, <laughs> shit. We didn't feel it was a good representation, so we decided yeah. not to publish that one. Yeah, it's a, and we reached out to him like 20 times. Yeah. Because, you know, we talked to each other. We're like, hey, it's really not, like, we actually see it. It's that bad. Yeah. We're like, hey, man, if you want to do it again, like, it, we just want to let you hear it first and yeah. you tell us if that's what you want to put out we, we've never offered this to anybody ever in our life it's not who we are as people um and he just didn't respond yeah. to anything he's he, totally ghosted us he offered us 50 of his games like yeah. he's just going to give them all it was free and yeah it was but uh so we we at bucks and bruce have officially not published one one episode one episode yeah wow so uh you might want to reach out to him and see if he's looking for a job or something he, he has to be looking for a job because the last time we knew he was going to fight some guy. Yeah. That was great. I loved that guy. We could have been best friends. I don't think you could have. I don't think anybody can be that guy's friend. <laughs> Just for a little bit. So well, He sounds like he'd make a great client. Uh, he would definitely make a great client if you could ever get him sober. Let me, uh, let me see here. I'm going to... Alright, so you last week had the privilege of speaking at the Lavender law the annual conference for the national lgbtq plus bar association how did that go oh it was so awesome i mean like i've got an affinity for sequins and so like they did not disappoint they loved it i wore a hot pink tiger stripe suit i was super fucking jealous of that suit like (laughs) i looked at it i was like what the fuck they don't make this in my size (laughs) it's amazing and so it and it was great i was speaking to like 200 or so law students who were there like looking for most of them were looking for like their internship for next summer right and so they have a huge job fair so i was talking to them about mindset about networking and like all the tips and tricks that i have on that and it was just like such a blast it was my favorite audience I've had so far. It was just like so much fun, like people participating, shouting things out when I was, you know, when I asked them to, and then asking questions. Yeah. It was just like laughing at all my jokes. It was fantastic. I had the best time. And then like in exchange, I got to like hang out for the rest of the conference. And on the last day during the luncheon, there was a drag show. I was like, this is the best conference I've ever been to in my life. Like, like, I don't care that I'm not practicing law anymore. I'm going to try and come back every year. Like, right. Awesome. I, uh, I've, I've done a few drag shows or, you know, been to them. I was going to say you've done them, but I've, I've never dressed in drag, but I've always been a participant because they find it funny that the one straight guy in the room is there. And so, yeah, always, um, I, you know, I, I am, the problem right so like I, me i don't know how to so i just start stripping right and then of course like everybody's like that's not what you do but i'm like oh you know hey 
Put the twenty dollars <laughs> wherever you find it. So, oh yeah, you I, would start stripping. I did like well, it was save a horse, ride a cowboy was my song. I had to dance to. So there was just me. Well, what else are you gonna do? Yeah, that's what I said, right? And then so everybody's like, "Oh man, you lost because it was round of." And I was like, "No, all right, I officially won because the guy I was going against." Was like no, I'm not gonna dance. I like, no, no. Nick went for like he's like nope. And so he got off stage, and they're like, well, we need another volunteer or whatever. A guy who's already done drag and dance before then becomes my competition, and of course then he he dances to like Barbie Girl or whatever, and so then beats me. But I'm like no, I I officially didn't even have the person compete because I won instantly. They quit. Like, that's how good I was. I made a professional <laughs> have to come on stage to compete against me. Okay, but I did raise more money than him, so uh, I think that that's the win. I see no lies in this. Right. Um, there's actual video that hasn't ever gone public. Um, they tease me about it, like, and how they're going to post it. But they all know, respectfully, they won't post that because what's held in a 250-person room stays in a 250-person room. Is that to cut off 250 people? Uh, you know, I don't know, but it's a, um, that's just life. So you're, you're teaching these young people how to how to put themselves out there for their, uh, sorry, what'd you call it? Um, how to find their, their job yeah, or their internship. Mm-hmm. And, um, now did you were on a panel or was it by you, you by yourself? Oh, it was me. I was the whole panel. Just so the whole thing. I, yeah. <clears throat> I was so excited. I was like, yeah, this is perfect. I love an audience. Give me a mic. I'm ready to go. So oh, yeah, it was super fun. Good. And then um, are you hoping to get clients out of that? Yeah, well, I've gotten um, a couple people are interested in bringing me like bringing me in to speak. So I've got one law firm who's thinking about bringing me in to speak to their summer associates. And then I've got um, somebody who's the head of a chamber of commerce up in Maryland wants to bring me in for um, a speaking engagement and a book signing. So I'm excited. Yeah. So that's really like you know, and I'm just happy to help. Like I love going to, I love speaking. So I love going to events. And then the more you go to, the more people want you to come speak. So, you know, it's just giving them tons of opportunities to like, see you, see you in action. So I give the people what they want. That's what I always say. um, And so you're, you're, you've moved to a new place. Has your business slowed because of the move or have you just kept right on track i've kept on track because most of my business is like online like how i run things like it's not usually stuff i'm doing in person with people except for some of the speaking engagements i'm in person so you know it's just a new airport to fly out of really so you know i've got that and then plus i've i'm also in crunch time for my book which comes out on september 19th um so that's like right around the corner yeah so i'm like in the process of getting things done i'm actually releasing my own podcast pretty soon which i'm excited about um yeah that'll be out later this month so yeah i've got a lot of things going on right now i keep saying i'm pre-famous like i'm about to be famous once the book is out Um, but it is available for pre-order and actually fun fact you guys introduced me to my partner who's like my go-to bookseller. So Nicole and Betty's Pages, they're like my official indie bookstore that I'm working with because I loved her so much when I met her talking on this podcast. 
And so, yeah, now she's like the person I'm telling everyone to buy their copy from. So good. That's awesome. Good, good. So does that mean we're going to have a book signing at Betty's Pages? Yes. I don't know when it is, but it's going to happen. That's awesome. I can't wait. And say, so when you get here, we're getting so wasted together. <laughs> Across the road is a brewery. It won't take much for me. I'm like such yeah. a lightweight, but I'll just eat a lot of pasta beforehand. That's a great idea. I mean, yeah, what could go wrong? Nothing in my book, but we'll find out, I guess. Um, no, that'll be great. Good for you. And uh, what's the name of the book? It's The Witch's Way to Wealth. There we go. And so so it says, the Every Witch's Guide to Making More Money Faster and Easier Than Ever. And it's basically all about like the fun manifestation stuff, but then it's also about the mindset, the science behind manifestation, like neuroscience a little bit of quantum physics light um and then it's got fun stuff like actual spells and like crystals and herbs and things like that so it's like it's it's super fun it's a and it's really funny if i do say so myself but it's yeah it was such a labor of love but it was just such an enjoyable uh endeavor to write just because i love talking and i love sharing and i love writing so it's pretty fun did you have to handwrite everything? Or did you type it all out and then submit it? No, I hand I hand wrote the whole thing. No, of course not. Yeah, I, I <laughs> that was like I wrote it all up in like Google Drive and then, you know, and it and she's thick, like she's like almost five hundred pages. Like this is a reference book. It is a doozy, but it's a fun ride. So great. Um, no, that's a is it now. Who are who are you using for publishing? Oh my! Um, I'm actually with a top ten publisher, so I'm with the with Sourcebooks. So okay. there you go. Yeah. Um, good for you. Congrats! I September nineteenth then, right? Yeah, that's mm -hmm. awesome. Good for yeah. you. Um, and then you know we have guests that have turned into authors all of a sudden. That's yeah, really exciting. Yeah, because Adam, Adam, Jesse, and then one of our contributors who I don't think I can still say. <laughs> who that is but yeah, he's, he's got a book he's, coming, he's got out. A book coming yeah. out um so we got at least three published authors authors on yeah. on the show we're doing pretty well for uh, us. not too bad that's uh one of your ahead of the curve yeah well you know we're just like you we're pre-famous granted we've been doing this for three years and all we've gotten is some good beers <laughs> i mean we have <laughs> that's gotten still some good a win beers. that is still a win in all honesty, I mean, Jesse did sponsor us. She did. She yeah. sent us beer. Um, so, all right. What is, so you have, I mean, gosh, you have, are you going to go on a big book tour then? Well, I've got a lot of speaking engagements lined up like the next few months. So we're going to like piggyback off of that and yeah, probably get some, some book signings and turn it into a little book tour, which I'm so pumped about to like go see people in person. I actually had my first book signing at the publisher. So the week that I spoke at Lavender Law, I had an extra day once the conference was over before I had to head back home and move. So I went out to the publisher, which is like right outside of Chicago and did a book signing. It was so, it, it was very surreal, but it was just like, it was so fun. Like I kept, having flashbacks to being like 13 and practicing my signature. Cause I was like, I'm going to be famous someday. Yeah. Uh, and then there I am. I'm like signing books. So it was like surreal, but in the best way. 
I um when I get mine signed, I'm getting a winky face on it. So all right, yeah, you yep, got that's, it. That that's your goal. Yep. I, I say, you know, I is it gonna come out on audio? Yes, I'm actually the, recording the audio book at the end of the month. Yeah. You're the voice of it. Good for you. Oh yeah. Yeah, I like I when like, the author this in right. my voice. Yeah. Good for you. That's awesome. Um, I'll probably I'll probably have to listen to it because I don't read. Um, I knew that was coming. I'm not really an educated kind of person, so audiobooks are still books. So is that what they say? That is what they that's say. The, that's the new saying nowadays. Um, my wife is starting a book club with her friends, which I think it'll go one book and <laughs> that'll be done. But I'm proud of yeah, her. I, I believe that. Have, yeah, I used to have a wine and cheese club where it was literally we got together once a month to eat cheese and drink wine. We skipped the book altogether, and I highly recommend it because yeah. no one had to feel weird about having read the book or not read the book. It was literally just us eating cheese and drinking wine. Like, that's yeah. that's the best kind of club to have. I, so I, I'm a little sad that you were in Chicago and didn't let us know because it's three hours from us. You know, we have a weekly beer club. We do actually. Yeah, <laughs> it's called Bucks and Brews. Cheers, bud. Um, as we I both drink like, at the same so, time. So I have like no understanding of like the geography of the Midwest because I've only lived in like Florida and DC essentially. Yeah. Um, so I have no idea how close everything is or isn't from Chicago. So I had multiple people tell me the same thing. Like, you're in Chicago. I could have come to see you, and I was like. I didn't. I thought that was far. Like, it's all right. When, it was far away. When you're when you're at Buddy's pages, we'll definitely come see you because I think that's 45 yeah, minutes that's, from us. That's pretty close. At, okay. at most. Yeah. I'll be in Chicago this weekend. Yeah, there you go. Let's see. Um, yeah, we're here, and then the rest of the world is just somewhere else. That's what I try to tell people. <laughs> I was like, that's all that matters in this life. <laughs> so we're three to four hours from three major cities. Yeah. Um. All right. So what's next then? You have you have. I mean, well, you're working on the audio. You have the book coming out. You're working on speaking engagements. You're not done. So what's next? Oh man, what's next? Probably a second book. Seeing how the first after seeing how the first one goes, um, it's one of my goals. Like one of my dreams to have a show on Netflix. I'd love to have a TV show. I think I'd be fun on there. I've had it like because. I have a very high maintenance sister and I have this idea for a show where we just like travel to go see witchy shit, like, you know, and explore witchy shit. And it's half like travel show. And then we also travel to go see scientists who can explain it to us. Like, how is this scientifically possible? Don't disprove it. Explain it, like prove it with science. So that's going to be my goal eventually, probably long-term, but you never know. It could happen sooner than we think. So. Yeah. No, that'd be fun. Um, yeah. My wife is going on a haunted, sorry. Um, like a haunted drink tour in, uh, in the end of August. Jimmy drinks. Yeah. I'm not into, I'm not into ghosts and haunted yeah. stuff and all that, but like, yeah, they're, they're going to do this whole tour thing. So she, she likes the witch stuff too. So um i think she wants to go to salem at some point in our life but i have no want <laughs> so bachelor party we're doing a gangster tour yeah that'd be fun that will be fun um all right so you want to do an i i have some people that work for netflix so um, what yeah 
Yeah, they're they're some investor friends of mine. I guess you need to, you know. Uh, say off air, off air, I'll have to hook you up with that. So yeah, sounds uh, great. Uh, that'll be that'll be fun. I can I can I be on the show? I mean, I can't be uh, one of your people sure. that you follow apparently, <laughs> and uh, can't be one of the people you call when you go to Chicago. Are you going to be the scientist? <laughs> yes. Say some shit happened over here, and that's Nick. How do you explain this ghosty stuff? <laughs> say, drink a lot of beer. A lot of shit happens. I was gonna say a haunted ghost tour. That sounds like a recipe for definitely seeing a ghost. Like they're onto something. That's a great business model. Yeah, I say you know, Grand Rapids is actually really old. I mean, every everything Midwest and East is is really old, super old, yeah. and then it gets newer as you get to California or Alaska. Um, it's all old there too. It's just yeah. not white people, right? Old. Same, but um all right so a netflix show have you started writing have you started writing for that netflix show not yet but it sounds like i'm gonna have to it sounds like you're gonna like this is gonna be perfect um all right and then now your 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 day-to-day business right you're you're teaching people still how to find their dream job right yep i do that so i help people find their dream job And then I also help people start and scale profitable businesses. So I also help on the business strategy side of things. And I do work with some companies on like creating, like um, helping with their retention rates on their employees. That hasn't been like as big as big, like it hasn't been my main focus, but that's probably like also in the direction that I'll go in. Cause I want to, you know, I really want to like, change work culture for the best from both the top and the bottom, right? Like changing it from the bottom by talking with people about like what you can ask for, what you deserve, um, you know, believing that you're capable of having what you want, that it exists out there. And then also working with people from the top to be like, here's how you can create better work environments that where people don't feel the need, like that pressure to leave after two years. Because that's nobody nobody I've ever worked with has been like, yeah, I'm so excited to quit my job that because I'm not getting paid well, or it's like not a great environment. Like people don't like job hunting. Right. Most people would rather go get a colonoscopy than go through a whole job hunt. So I want to go and like really address it at the top as well. Like how do you create an environment when you don't have the budget to give people the salaries that you may want to give them? What else can you do? How can you create a great workplace for them. David David shared a really good video with me. Uh, what was it about a lady who? It's something like Grubhub or, or Uber Eats or whatever. Okay. Um, and she just gave the employees uh, an hour a day mm-hmm. to uh, to not work. Right. So like, they're they're not supposed to actually work um, in the middle of the day, and they can go do whatever they want. Um, and so then. The, you know, an employee asked, well, is that above and beyond our lunch break? And she goes, well, you know, during this hour, you can eat your lunch or you can do whatever you want. <laughs> take a nap. You take a, yeah. So basically she just resold the legal lunch break to these people <laughs> and just re-spin oh, it gosh. out. Yeah. And I was like, that was, that was really uh, intriguing. I mean, sometimes you got to put a spin on it. <laughs> Say, yeah. So we want you to not do this. Because you work with a lot of people, Jesse, job seeker wise, 
from an employer standpoint, a, a shocking trend I'm noticing is for every interview we set up, let's say every 10 interviews we set up, two people show up to that actual interview. Mm. And I don't understand what is going on. And it doesn't, it's not just us. It's a lot of people. So like one of our vendors set up 35 interviews over two days last week and two people showed up for those interviews. Yeah. What is the motivation to set it up and not show? I have no idea. Cause those are not my clients. Like honestly, <laughs> because it's almost like, you know, it feels a lot like online dating. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever, ha I mean, like, I know you guys have been together with your partners for a while, so I don't know, like, if you had to do the whole Tinder dance at some point. No, never had it's to do horrible. Tinder, but I did meet my wife online. Oh, oh. Xanga. <laughs> Say but it's like, yeah, you're like, like, you know, as, like, as a woman, I'm like swiping on stuff. This is years ago. I'm like swiping. And I'm just like, it's so bad. Like people don't respond to me or they like send me unsolicited dick pics or it's like, which this is an actual, okay. Yeah. Like I, we, we've had, we've had uh, a guest on here who, who uh, does that type of stuff. Um, yes. And, and, and. I didn't realize how many men actually do this. I always heard about this, but I thought this was a joke. all the time. And I'm like, holy all the time. Balls. Like, guys, yeah. they literally just send it. Oh, I yeah. I have yeah, no yeah. idea. Maybe yeah. it's because I've been married a long time and I've been with my wife, you know, over 20 years. Yeah. But I just assume nobody wants to see that. So I would never think of just sending it to someone. But like, I understand it if it's like, uh, uh, what do you? What do you call those? Uh, uh, you know, a picture that's like, like, like a playgirl, like where it's, it's set in a scene, okay. and like everything is there, and like Boudreaux is that what it is? Yeah, or, okay. like, however you say yeah, that. Usually, you don't do that to somebody you don't know. No, right? Yeah. But like all I'm saying is like that's the only time I'd probably send something is like if I had it custom taken for like for a specific yeah, purpose, like for your wife. Right. Exactly. Her, right. I, I made her a twelve days of night. Right. You know, like yeah. yeah. Yeah, but that's I, like you get them too, huh? Yeah, those are consensual, you know, most yeah. of the time. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's like you know, for a while, I was just like, "Is it me? Like, this is terrible. Like, no. this is like, you know, it's so hard." And it's like, you know, you go through like a hundred, like fifty, a hundred people before you have like one date, and then you don't know if it's going to be a good date or not. And then, like, I remember. My brother hmm. was complaining about online dating, and I'm like, it can't be as good as bad as it is for women. Like, let me see. No, it's bad. Like, it's it's just like women not responding. Mm -hmm. No clit pics or anything, but it's like you sure. know, like it's just like they don't respond, yep. or you know, they unmatch really fast, or they're just like kind of weird. It was just like I was like, wow, I don't hmm. know how anybody gets together anymore. I have no idea. And so I have that same kind of thought about like job hunting. Cause I have like the job hunting clients I work with are like, why are people always ghosting me? Like, why mm -hmm. can't I get a response saying like, you haven't been selected so I can move on with my life. Why do I have to chase people down just to get rejected? Yeah. And then I have like people who are trying to hire people saying like, why can't I get anybody good in the door? And I'm like, I really have no idea. Like, honestly, like, I don't know why it's so bad. Because if you talk to people who are hiring, they're like, they're, they're, the worker pool is awful. There's no talent. Mm -hmm. There's nobody who's interested. 
Um, and then when you talk to the job hunters, they're like, there are no good jobs. I can't find anything. And, you know, people don't respond to me. So I really, I honestly, I think it's like when it, like the online dating situation, it's just like, I have no idea how anybody finds anyone anymore. Yeah. Well, it's good to hear so, that. I mean, guys have the same problem that girls have. I, we had a, a job interview yesterday. Yeah. And they don't show. And Dawn sends out her normal message. Hey, since you didn't show up, I'm assuming you don't want the job anymore, but it'd be nice if you just told the employer, hey, I'm not interested instead of just not showing. Yeah. She got a reply back. Hey, I didn't miss my interview. I had a dentist appointment. What? That literally, that's what he said. I didn't miss my interview. I had a dentist appointment. Well, great. You didn't tell us about the dentist appointment. So you missed your fucking interview. And he goes, can I reschedule now? And she sends it to me. And I'm like, fuck no. no. I would have said yes. <laughs> and then not showed up. Like I would have said it for like, I don't know, a Monday at like five o'clock or six. Yeah. And you're not and here. just not show up. It's been like, yeah, sorry. We had dentist appointment. We had, you know, we had a dentist sorry. Our cat, our cat called and said we had to come home. I, I, the, the audacity of him to it. go, oh, I didn't miss my yeah. interview. I had a dentist cool that's great you got a reminder that you had an interview too you could have just said hey i have a dentist appointment i'm not gonna make the interview yeah um no and, and i think a lot of it right when you when you okay so warehouses and factories mm -hmm. is having a hard time okay well the only way they're going to get somebody from a different place is to offer more money right yeah but it's really hard because you talked about hey having no skill and no talent okay you know if i walk into a place right now if I wanted to go back and get a job, let's say Gentex. I mean, mm -hmm. I was I was making 23. I don't even know. And you want me to go drive a Hilo? Well, we start at 16, 18. Well, I have experience. Well, we'll start, yes, 18. Right? No, like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've, I have 10 more years of experience than the person that's walking, or, you know, 15 years more experience than the person walking. Yeah. No, start me at higher because I'm worth more than that, right? Like, you don't have to sit here and train me on that. Well, we don't know that. Great. So when I show you, I can... Beep, beep a horn and look backwards you're gonna pay me five bucks an hour more again i think and i think jesse can speak to this there are a lot of job seekers that know their worth and they're just not willing to take less am i wrong no that's absolutely the case and more and more people are thinking that way you know i've i've said that like the pandemic is really like what changed a lot of things and i you know i'm like the last thing you want is like all of your employees to sit around thinking about like whether they're happy or not or whether they deserve more or not you know and it was also like that you know that moment where it's like you know i tell my clients all the time i'll be like you know when they feel guilty about leaving their workplace or something i say what happens if you die tomorrow what are they going to do everyone's going to be sad for like a week and then they're going to repost the job online like they're not going to give that a second thought because like that's a need that they have to fill you have to have that same kind of mentality about it. You have to like realize like what your worth is. Like you don't work for a company. You work for me, Inc. That's it. You know, you work for yourself. That needs to be the top priority. And so I think that that's like something that a lot of like talented and skilled workers are starting to see where they're like, you know, there are companies out here who will invest in my growth or invest in like my skills or see me as an asset and like provide me with good compensation and benefits yeah. and you know i think it's i think a lot of companies and industries are reeling from the fact that workers have finally had that realization well it's, I, I have a niece who is 19 who's um just frustrating as hell to me 
you know um she worked here as for 19 bit. year olds are <laughs> right well you know she did work here right and so i was like and i even told her i was like look go get a full-time job do that part-time like but you know she just took a job at a gas station making 14 dollars an hour and there is factories and other things like i have a gas station by my house that's starting at 15 and she went and took one farther away from her own self like for 14 she mm-hmm. sparting across the road tiring for 21 21 yeah, 19 21 yeah like and so i'm sitting here just going oh my god like if you're going to trade your time for money it better be the most money for the least amount of time mm-hmm. right like understand that you're you're giving up your life like you're trading something that you have that they want something that you want that they right. have right like and nope 14 bucks an hour i don't think she has any fucking benefits like nothing you know I'm she, sure. doesn't, she doesn't understand that right and, mm-hmm. and and you know i'm like hey how much are you investing well i'm putting into my savings account okay when's the last time you touched your savings account well it's been a while what's a while two weeks like you know like you know good, good for you right like you know, we, we went to Florida and I, yeah, I, I, I found out, you know, basically cause she's like, Oh yeah, I've been saving. I've been saving. Oh, I can't afford to do this or whatever. And I was like, wait, you've been working for six months and you can't afford a hundred dollars. Like what, like, what do you have planned? What, no, I don't have, I don't have money until I get paid on Friday. Wait, you told me you've been saving this whole time. Like I've asked you, I don't care where you financially are. Don't fucking lie to me. Right. Like I don't care. Right. It, it, if you just say, Hey, I'm broke. Can't do it. I don't care. Like, cool. I got this. But if you're going to tell me that you've been saving, you've been doing all this. No, I care. Now I'm pissed. Right. Well, you know, looking at the job market, let's say, I, I, I think employees have something that they haven't had in 40 years, which is some control and some power for a little bit. And companies are really trying to get that back. That's why you're seeing all this return to work bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, my boss, who I like, said to us at one point yeah i don't think we're going to bring you back to the office and my answer was that's great because i haven't been in the office since 2011 and i'm never coming back and she went oh well i don't see any reason to ever bring you back good because i'm not coming back i'll just quit (laughs) yeah i'm out and that's uh yeah there's also you know a lot of there's so much shame around money for so many people too Mm -hmm. so it's like you know when you're like young and dumb and broke, it's like you're almost embarrassed to admit that you're young and dumb and broke because you don't want to be seen as a kid anymore. And so you're like, yeah, I've been saving and I've been doing this and it may not be realistic. I mean, it's not like a realistic take on like where you actually are. And so it's, you know, it's always like, it's always a weird place to be, a weird place to like navigate those things. And I think that, you know, we as a society are only kind of coming around to that idea now you know, before it would, you know, that old saying was like, you never talk about like money, politics or religion. Right. And like now it's people are realizing that by not talking about money, that's where, you know, you end up screwing yourself because you don't know if you're like getting paid more or less, especially when it comes to like marginalized groups and women and things like that. Like, half the time it's like you know someone who's got your same job but happens to be male or somebody who came in after you because you've been there for a few years came in at a higher salary and you have no idea because you're not having those conversations because that's like not the polite thing to do and like we need to be talking about money openly all the Mm -hmm. time and like really like getting like you know dispelling with that shame that like keeps us from being open about it yeah, we were talking about that in one of the episodes. Like, yeah. I, my Gentex job, I mean, I started at $10 as a temp, got hired in at 11 
And then two weeks later, got my raise to 1370 in the warehouse um, because I've had, you know, I was working my temp in the warehouse, had to go to the line for two weeks and then got hired in um, and then got my job. But so then we're talking in the break room and, and there was a guy that had been there for nine years or seven years, whatever it was. And I was making 15 cents more than him mm. an hour. And he was pissed. And so then the company went back and like, oh, hey, yeah, this is our new starting D level rate. And they had to bring everybody that was in level D up to my current salary. And I'm like, dude, granted, I have, I had just the same amount of experience type thing from past jobs, but not in that company. And so he was making just as much as me. They So they retroactive like six months worth or however long, three months worth. So they all got like, you know, $200 checks for the 15 cents for hours that they worked. But yeah, so if you don't talk about it, like you have no idea what these people are making. I'm on the phone yesterday with my coworker. And- yeah. I said, you know, basically what I make. And my wife goes, should you be saying that? I'm like, she knows what the fuck I make. I don't make any, I don't keep this a secret. I don't really yeah. give a shit if they know or not. Well, that's, and it's hard because like older, you know, older generations and older people, um, you know, when I walk into a company, I always tell, find the oldest person and try to figure out what the fuck they make because you've been there the longest. I want to know what my top yep. potential is. And if you're making two bucks more an hour than me and you've been there for 25 years, oh shit, like this isn't going to go well for the both of us, right? No, like, you're going to get shitty raises. Yeah, no, hard pass for me. And, you know, I tell people all the time, I was like, if you ever walk, if you ever drive into a job, you look in the parking lot, see what people are driving because the average American will spend what they, what they make. Yep. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you, when you drive in, everybody's driving this beater ass truck. It's not everybody's financially responsible. It's that they're paying that shitty yeah. that people are not doing this. Right. The one guy's right. over leveraging his truck that he has. Not, but like, you know, I, I remember that at new life. I mean, everybody just had beat ass cars and I'm just like, oh crap, this job's not going to pay shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you go to Gentex and it's like, oh man, there's a mix of quite a bit. So this is going to be a decent looking job. Mm-hmm. And it did, it paid pretty well, you know? I have no complaints about their pay in, in a general sense of things. So. Yeah, it was just the rest of it. Yeah, so everything. It all, all goes back to how it ended. Um, so when 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 do you see when do you see companies actually listening to the employees and and getting on their? Can you can you walk us through how you've helped with? employee engagement and things like that or um getting them getting them just as much as the the top person right so like a lot of times like you know i tell people i tell the i tell the company like if you're going to re-engage your employees and you're going to hire me you need to understand that like they are either going to get re-engaged or they're going to go find another job because you know it tends to be like almost like a 50 50 split some people are not engaged in the job because they're in the wrong job and, or they just like, it doesn't light them up. They don't care or whatever. Like that's a real thing that happens. And then the other half is going to be like people who want to be engaged, but they don't feel like they're a valued part of that company or that organization. And so, you know, part of it is going to be communication. Like how are, how do you have, you know, management communicating? And then also like, how are you keeping tabs on management as well? Because, you know, a big part of that is like the 360 review. I don't know if you've heard of these before where it's like, you know, annually, the employee is not the only one getting a performance review. They're also going to review their manager. And I like to talk about these, even though they're, you know, can sound like scary, right? Because it's like, oh, well, 
we don't want that much power. But I say that it's not that like, if you see one, that one person saying anonymously, like, oh, this person's a terrible manager and yada, yada, yada. You're like, okay, well, that could be a personality clash. But if you're seeing that over and over and over again, then that tells you there's a problem. The other part of that being exit interviews. Are you actually conducting appropriate exit interviews when people are leaving? And are you actually like looking into the things that they say? Because most people like don't like, you know, on the exit interview, they're going to say something. They're going to like, you know, at least give you a, a taste of the tea if it's not in, like entirely like bashing it. And so you need to take those things seriously and really look into it because that's how you can kind of get ahead of the problems. And then finally, like looking at the ways that you can show appreciation if you don't have the budget for like salary raises. I know so many people are afraid of a potential recession happening again or an economic downturn. So like, I get it, but paying for somebody, like if you were to pay for somebody to go to a conference and like get training, it's like, let's say like hotel conference registration, all of that, let's say it's like gonna be five grand, right? That is going to make that person feel so important and so like cared for and so appreciated and it's going to have that same impact and it's 15 grand shorter than a $20,000 salary raise, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you're able to communicate the same kind of thing on a budget where you, and you can have that transparency too. I think, especially with younger generations, they really care about transparency. So if you're saying, listen, I can't give you the raise that you want this year, but what I can do is I can like get you some learning. I can pay for a degree. I can pay for some classes or I can send you to a conference. Like I want you to know that you're appreciated. I want you to know that we want to keep you here long-term. So where can we give you things that like are going to help you be better in this role and show that you're appreciated? Yeah. You know, so it just, it, it's going to vary depending on the organization and the people involved, but it's, you know, it starts with those big, kind of big silos yeah i think that was one of my biggest problems with gentex i mean granted they, they did a lot like they're you know reimbursement for college and stuff like that but there was an opportunity to go to the germany warehouse and they wanted a boss and they wanted and you know two employees and i was like they're like hey who has passports and i was like i was the only person they're like hey you need to go get your passport and you and i was like i have mine I've been here for, you know, 10 years. Like, why the hell am I not going? Oh, well, you know, you don't have a college degree and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what the fuck? That doesn't make any difference, you know? So it's basically, hey, no matter what, you're not going anywhere. And I'm like, cool, you, you've spoken loud and clear. Like, I know where I stand at this mm -hmm. point, right? And it's like, uh, again, it was supposed to be an employee. It wasn't supposed to be like, hey, who's moving up and doing whatever, right? I, I'm all for higher education, you know? I'm, yep. I'm educated. Now... Way to go. But it doesn't necessarily mean you're smart. No. And, and those things irritate the shit out of me. Oh my God. There's so many stupid lawyers I went to school with. Yeah. Like, how did you, how have you gotten here? You know? Yeah. So I oh. get it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But you know, I, I you know, and, and it's funny because, you know, these people are talking about like, oh, hey, pizza parties and things like that. And it's, Okay, it's different when you're working for a multi-million dollar company versus you guys offering pizza, right? Like mm -hmm. you guys offering pizza is huge. You're a small business. They see that you're trying, right? Um, and I so when I was having my last medical issue, yeah, and I had to run the business. When Dawn got back that day, 
I bought pizza for the two guys. And that meant a lot to them because they worked their ass off for me that day. Yeah. I bought a fucking hot and ready, Nick. Mm-hmm. It was, what is it, seven bucks? Six, yeah, six bucks. So exactly. they were thrilled because, you know, I appreciated them and, and they felt valued because I spent seven bucks on a fucking pizza for them. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, you know, one's 28 and the other one's 16. So I know I can motivate them food. So <laughs> I do. But again, it's the small gestures when you're at a small business yep. because, you know, we're not making millions of dollars a year. You know, we're busting our ass just to try and break even. Well, and, and you know, I say I won't say where my wife works, um, the current company or whatever, but, um, you know, she's been everybody's been talking about wanting more money and things like that. And then, of course, you look up the CEO and during COVID everything was like oh we can't do anything we're on lockdown like we're afraid of no raises but the ceo yep. got his biggest raises during this covid period of time mm-hmm. and you know he's making five hundred thousand dollars more you know and it's like holy shit like and, and i'm trying to explain to her i was like look that's a you know he's raised 200 percent in the five years you've been here mm-hmm. and you've raised what Mm-hmm. six six percent like not even i think it's like 4.2 percent yeah. right because you get a three percent raise and another three percent raise and only goes up to like four and a half right like you haven't gotten anything you know and this guy gets a 200 percent. so the, the pay difference is you know and that's why i say like hey if you're giving if you're giving the top person a raise great you get three percent right <laughs> like hey you get three percent you get three you know oprah winfrey baby you get a car you get a car you get a car yeah. everybody gets the and same you know car. it's like the thing is, is that like so many people think like, oh, that's the status quo. So I can't like argue about it. Right. Like every CEO is doing that. That's how it is at every company. But that's not true. You know, like one yeah. of my favorite people, especially on LinkedIn, is Dan Price. He's the oh, CEO gosh, no. of Gravity. Yeah. Oh, my God. Gravity Payments, where he took a massive pay cut to make sure that they didn't have to lay anybody off. I think it was like during the pandemic. And then like they their starting salary, no matter what your role is, when you come in is $70,000. And like, he has accepted lower salaries to make sure that that happens. And that guy's like still making hand over fist. Mm -hmm. Like that's, he's, he's not hurting from that decision. He's just not making what, you know, the people at the top of other organizations are. Yeah. We had, we had a Dan Price episode and then I lost a little respect uh, in 2020 for him the end of december the so, uh allegations the allegations that the, are still ongoing yeah sexual assault mm-hmm. alleg- yeah yeah so yeah that that cut me to the core because i really like dan yeah, price you, you were a uh, big dan price guy i was and that kind of cut me to the core yeah. no and, I, yeah. and again i mean jesse brings up a great point as a ceo so you don't make five million you make one yep. can you live with it because I can. Yeah. Um, and and you know, that's uh we were talking about this. Uh my electrician and I actually called yeah. me today and we were talking and I, you know, we we're talking about raising prices. So my electrician, right? You used to be able to buy a hundred foot of wire for thirty dollars. Now you go buy it for 120. He said, Look, the prices of everything has gone crazy. And I said, right now, currently what's going on is they're literally cutting this middle class. They don't want a middle class anymore. So if you were on the teeter of poor to middle, you were officially poor. Correct. If you were nowhere near that upper class, you were poor. Yes. Like 
you know, I said the, the difference is, is like, hey, we're making, you know, even if you're at $180,000 a year, well, you lived up to that. So now you're still in that lower end where the guy who made $50 million is now making 49. His steak choice didn't change. His life didn't change. He still got the damn boat that he wanted. He did everything that he still wanted. He just took a million dollars and a million dollars to him didn't change any part of his life where, you know, I know and it's a gambling addiction, but like, I know people when they play a lottery and they get so excited for a hundred bucks. Right. And it's just like, you have to understand that what's happening right now is they're literally trying to cut this middle class so far out of life. Like, Hey, you know what? Because they, they expect everybody to just take it. Yep. And and, people will. And and they are, unfortunately. I mean, I, I, I've said before a hundred thousand a year used to be the, the cutoff for us on, if we made over a hundred thousand, we can do pretty much anything we want. Mm-hmm. I think we made 106 last year. Yeah. And I, you know, with the medical debt I have from trying to die, we're living paycheck to paycheck. I mean, that's just what it is. Yep. And mm-hmm. it fucking sucks. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's and- it's so true. Yeah. And you know, they there was a stat that came out like past couple of years saying, like, um, you miss out i think it was like your salary will be like what i think it was like 40 or 50 percent lower if you don't switch jobs like Mm -hmm. if you switch jobs every few years you can pretty much get a 20 percent increase on your salary with each job change Mm -hmm. and like that's the thing that like people are now realizing is that like they like people don't want to job hop nobody's doing that because they like love starting over and meeting a bunch of strangers and learning a whole new role like nobody enjoys that process but it's the only the only way that they have to advance that salary yeah i you know i'll give a great example of this so i have a buddy who wants to get into real estate um he was working for uh, a medical company he was making so i don't remember the exact let's say 2000 2004 he started he was making let's call it 20 dollars an hour mm-hmm. 2008 9 10 hits whatever during that time he takes a 10 percent pay cut so he goes to 18 dollars. goes all the way up until two years ago and he was back to 20 or very close to it right that's how long that's how shitty his raises were along the way two years ago quits his job goes and takes a job for 15 or 16 dollars an hour working for a friend of mine just because he wanted to get into real estate gives it a good solid effort for two years mm-hmm. calls back the job that he originally had and was like hey you guys hiring yep now is making 29 dollars an hour mm-hmm. because that's their new yeah. starting starting rate if he never quit, he would only be at like $21. Like, I'm like, holy shit balls. Like they're willing to give it to the new person, but not to you. Like, well, then again, I think this, this goes generationally. So Gen X is way less invested in, in job hopping. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been at my job 20 some odd years. I'm Gen X. I I really don't want to switch. Whereas millennials are like, fuck it. You're going to pay me $2 more an hour. I'm out. Bye. Yep. I had somebody at a talk ask me, they were like, I don't understand. Like you're saying that like millennials and Gen Z are so like afraid of financial instability. Like, why would you leave a job? And it was like a Gen X person. Like, well, then I would never leave my job uh, out of like that same fear of financial stability. And like what it comes down to is it's those historic events that that like shaped millennials and Gen Z's views on work and workplace culture And a big one of those being the 2008 recession and the rise of the gig economy, because 
what happened is that millennials were the ones graduating, not having jobs or having to stay in internships a lot longer or take a bunch of gig jobs, like, you know, piece together income from multiple jobs. And so they trust themselves over the company. Mm -hmm. Like, I know I'll always fall on my feet. I know I can always make rent at like rent at the end of the month if I if I'm only depending on myself. And like, that's where that comes from. And so it's like the fear of stability, like the fear of financial instability is what keeps them seeking the higher salary outward, like outside of the company that they're in. Whereas for a lot of Gen Xers, that stability comes from staying in the same place. Like mm -hmm. this is a guaranteed paycheck. Mm -hmm. Well, see, and I, I've looked for jobs since I finished my degree. Yeah. But if I leave within two years, I have to pay back all the money they gave me. Sure. So I'm not looking hard, but I probably applied to 60 different jobs in the last year and a couple months. Ask me how many interviews I've had. Go on. None. Really? Not a fucking one. Hmm. You send your resume to Jesse. She'll look it over. Tell you what you're yeah. doing wrong. Well, the thing is that like, it's like networking really is mm -hmm. like what it comes down to, to find like the good stuff, because this is like the, this is the thing I always, I always see is that like, a lot of jobs because you'll go on linkedin and like there are good jobs there and then it'll say like 500 applicants right like so many hundreds of people have applied already to it you don't even know if that job's available you don't know if it's like held for somebody else and they just have to comply and put it up for a certain number of days you have no idea mm -hmm. and like half the time like you know most like a lot of jobs get filled without ever getting posted anywhere mm -hmm especially like the companies people are dying to work for like that you know people love or that have really great benefits people refer their friends because they want to like work with their friends maybe they get like one of those bonuses for you know bringing out like referring somebody to a job so those jobs don't get posted they're getting filled like yep. filled through referral or they're getting filled before they're even out there and so the only way to figure out, like, is this actually a job that's available is to network because somebody will tell you, oh, yeah, so that's like an internal hire. Somebody's like switching departments or someone's getting upgraded or whatever. You know, I had when I was doing my last job hunt, which I landed my job like solely through networking, I didn't send out a single cold application. You know, I people saved me loads of time just telling me like, yeah, that job's not actually available or that job salary is like way below what you're making right now. So it's like not worth you even looking at it. For and sure. that's still valuable. People think like, oh, that's like demoralizing. And it's like, no, that just saved me so many hours of time of like tailoring my resume and writing a cover letter and sending this in and all the follow-up emails or like God forbid they bring me in for an interview to do the whole song and dance. And it's like the job wasn't even like really, I had no run. I had no chance at it anyway. Yeah. And that's like where networking really comes in because that's how, especially like if you're not super looking, that's the best time to be networking because you get to just like build your network and like recruit people to your team to like be your professional friends and it's like they'll keep you in mind as the years go on as long as you're like touching base now and then and things mm -hmm. like that it's like that's the best place to be in i always say like you want to start your job hunt as soon as you have the idea of like you know maybe i'll be ready for a job in like another year or two that's when you start networking because if you wait until you're ready that's when it's like you're so desperate to leave 
that you'll take anything, anything else. Yeah. yeah, you won't have the same standards that you do when you're casually looking. Yep. Well, it's, I, you know, um, when I when I got my last one, I mean, I didn't apply in any way, right? It was a casual conversation and stuff like that. Hey, oh, you're, you're looking for some side stuff? Great. Why don't you come do this? Yeah. I, walk me through what you see this looking like. Right. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, let's do this, <laughs> you know? Um, and then, you know, I, I get people all the time. Hey, oh, you should come work for me. Well, walk me through it. I'm thinking $30,000 a year and you work 90 hours a day. You're like, yeah, no. Yeah, you know, it's going to be a hard pass for me, dog. Like, yeah, but you have mm -hmm. so much knowledge. I know. I know I do. Like, that's why it's worth way more than that, yeah. buddy. You need to pay for that knowledge. <laughs> you, know? Oh. Mm -hmm. you know? That's yeah. why, like, I always say, like, one of the tricks that I teach people is that, like, when you get a job offer, um, like, always like if you're nervous you're like oh they seem great but i don't know if they're just like putting on a whole song and dance for me so you can always say like oh my god i'm so excited like i'm you know so honored that you offered it to me could i talk one-on-one -on -one with the team members i'd be working with more like the most before i formally accept because if you've ever been at a shitty job which most of us have and yeah. you've seen someone come in for an interview and you're like joking with your coworkers. You're like, run, don't do it. Like, I wish mm -hmm. I could tell them how bad it is here. Most of those people will tell you, maybe not directly, but they'll tell you in a way that helps you read between the lines. Mm -hmm. yep. So networking is really good for that too. Cause they'll tell you like straight up, like don't work here. It's horrible. Um, but if you get to the point where you have an offer, like everything's looking pretty good, that's always a way you can kind of, you know, navigate it to make sure because people who genuinely love their job will like, they'll tell you. And like, when you phrase it, like, I want to talk to the people I'd be working with the most, they can't necessarily like, you know, oh, here's our happiest delusional employee, you know, or like star child whom we love. Yeah. It's going to be the people that you're actually working with. Well, and then I you mean, have more freedom to yeah, have that conversation. And when I was looking, I had that happen. I applied, I had two interviews with the owner. I mean, she, she's a great owner. I mean, I really give her so much credit and uh, we talked and I was like, you know, I told her where I was. I was like, look, I'm in real estate. I'm looking for something. I, I just, I have this little short of a plan. Um, You know, I'm a very honest person. Sometimes I shouldn't be as honest, but you know, I was like, look, I think at the time it was like, I need 10 more years, 12 more years. And I don't know where I'll be after that. Um, You know, this is where I see myself. And I talked to the employees and the employees like, look, it's a basic job. You're just going to, you're going to work and we're going to go home. And well, you know, she's, she's cool to work for stuff like that. But you know, it's not, it's not everything. Right. I'm like, yeah, cool. That's all I'm looking for. And she sat me down in like the third interview type thing. She's like, Hey, I just want to be honest with you. Like, I think you have so much more potential than being here. I don't think I'm gonna be able to give you what you want. I don't think this. And I was like, I completely respect that. Like, mm -hmm. And I appreciate that, right? Like, let me buy into the business. <laughs> you know, we'll be partners. But, um, you know, because we were talking about this. She's like, oh, I need a $75,000 machine. And I was like, oh, shit, I, I can do a loan, <laughs> right? Like, and, uh, you know, but it was just because, you know, here the job was like 16 bucks an hour. It was just around the corner type yeah. thing. And uh, I think, it, I still think it'd be a great job for me just because, like, I love to make signs and stupid shit, like, all day. You know, for me, it'd just be a hobby. But she wanted a actual full of work yeah. or work or work somebody invested but, but you know she was great she was very honest and like hey really you have so much more potential than being just what i can offer you and i was like yeah but 
and I, you know, I, I even tutored her. Like, I was like, Hey, where do you see yourself in five years? Because I want to be this high. I want to be this. I want this, 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 like, if you're telling me you're going to own the world, I want to be right there with you owning the world. Right. <laughs> like I'm fine. Yeah. With this. So, yeah. I had that happen to me too. Like I had a former law school classmate who had interviewed at an office where I was working. It was like about a year or two out, out after graduation and it was a horrible place. Like it was a terrible environment and the pay was really shitty. And it was just like, the boss was horrible. Like it was just like, I, I, I was there for a year and I left and she had asked me ahead of time. She was like, Hey, I see like you're working here. You know, they called me to set up an interview. Just wanted to see like, you know, what's going on. And I was like, what's your phone number? Like, let's right. get on, you know? And then I was like, you need to run. I was like, I know you're desperate for a job. I know like you've, you know, you're coming to the end of your savings and stuff. It is not worth it. It's, it's going to trap you. It's a dead end place. Like, do not do it. And so she was like, Ooh, okay. So she canceled her interview. And I think it was like maybe like a month, two months later, she ended up getting an incredible job and she's like still there. Like she's still at this law firm, like loving life. Um, but it's like, people will shoot you straight for the most part, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and I think most employees will, right. Say if you're talking to the HR team who does nothing for you as a person, because HR right. just absolutely sucks, right? I mean, They're there for the company, not the one hundred employees, right? So, um, I, but, I can tell you, you know, we're going through a, a transition at our place. Yep. In what I do, and I'm at that age now where I have no fucks left to give. So I was on a meeting today with you know the person that's the head of this transition, and he goes, "How you feeling?" I'm like, "Not very damn good." I can tell you that all right, what's going on? And I, I laid it all out because I have no fucks left to give. Right. And he's like, all right, well, we need to address these things because we need you to be comfortable. And I'm like, great. I'm, you're at least saying the right shit because I'm the one going to be using this. And if I'm not comfortable, I'm just not doing it. Plain and simple. Don't care. And I mean, I'm at that point in, in my career of been there over 20 years. You want to make a go of something that isn't going to work. You're doing it without me. I'm out. Yeah. I'll go find something else. I don't, I don't really care. And I mean, you know, there are a lot of employees out there that feel that way. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I think most, you know, most managers put up with it because they've had them as employees for God knows how long. Mm -hmm. You, you've gone through more managers than anybody I know. But Michael Jordan, 23. <laughs> right? So, <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it it's insane that you've gone through more managers than years you've worked there. Right. Yeah. That's, um, but you know, and, and we go back to it and people don't leave, you know, jobs, people, right. They leave bad managers, yeah. bad companies, things like that. Right. I mean, nobody leaves when they're happy. The hardest <laughs> I've looked is when I've had bad managers. Yeah. And mm -hmm. you know, my manager right now, I like my manager. She's good. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm looking, but I'm not looking. Right. You're not going out there going, oh, man, I no. did a job yesterday. Nope. So, Yeah, you're looking from, like, a growth standpoint. Like, oh, right. what could be out there? Is there something that, like, I that could light me up again? You know, like, it's not like, get me the fuck out of here because mm -hmm. this person is nuts. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's the best. That's the best time to be looking. You yeah. Because you look casually. Well, and, and, you know, when I was in 
your position, right? I, 23 managers, I'd just sit there and go, why the hell am I not the manager of this department? Like, um, you know, that, that would be the thing that would drive me crazy. I've been asked several times, do I want to progress to management at this company? And my answer has been the same every time. Fuck no. Fuck no. Because I, I see what happens to the managers of this company. Yeah. They either get fed up and they leave or they lose their soul. Yeah. And I'm just not willing to do either one of those. Yep. You know, I, I'm happy to work next to my cats. And if I need to take a break, I know I can take a break. Yeah. No big thing. I managed people like when I was at my college newspaper, I was like, oh, I want to be the editor in chief. So I like worked my way up, got to editor in chief. I'm like managing a, you know, it's like a staff of like 10 to 15 direct reports, but it's like a whole staff of like 50 people. Never again. Okay. Really? Like, I'm not a management person. Okay. Herding cats. Like I did not understand what that phrase meant until I was in that role where I was like, this is fucking terrible. Like, this is just like, just, oh my God. Like everybody's going in different directions and there's a fire every day and I cannot like I'm best in small teams. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's how I, how I thrive. Like I managed before that I was like managing a team of four beautiful we were like the best functioning team in that you know at that place but oh my god no i couldn't do i couldn't do management like that well again i, I equate it to this you coached for me mm -hmm. jeff fun yeah sure. i didn't have any fun because i was the head coach right i have fun now because i'm not the head coach just, anymore just get up and leave. everybody likes me i'm the happy fun guy and that's awesome being in charge sucks. Well, I think it was it was probably one of the worst days of my life. Um, was at Gentex. Um, I've always been a happy, fun guy. Mm -hmm. And that's what most people know of me, right? And oh man, yeah, Nick, he's the life of the party. And uh I was dealing with a boss, another employee was around, and we were dealing with a truck or whatever. He was like, Nick, why are you so unhappy? And the guy looked and he goes, it's Nick. He's never happy. And I was like, what the fuck? Those words have never been said about me. And I was like, it just like hit my heart. Right. And I was like, holy shit. I have to take a look at myself. Wow. Like at that moment. Right. It was just like, what? Like, I've never had those words said about me. And, it, you know, I was like, all right, I'm changing myself. <laughs> and so like from that day, I was like, now nah, I'm going to make this about. And so then I, you know, just kept using the company to buy houses and stuff. But well, I mean, jobs can make you miserable. Oh, God, yes. Mm -hmm. And if they make you miserable, you're just miserable all the damn time. Yep. Well, it was the boss. I mean, the boss was just absolute. What a horrible. Well, and again, man. why do you quit? Yeah. Well, because the job sucks. <laughs> so, um, now, all right. So I want to get back to your book because I want you to plug it again. What do you. What are you teaching in this book? You're teaching people the the ability to what to do with money? So I'm teaching like a, a bunch of things, really. So I'm teaching both like some of the, you know, so like a lot goes into manifestation of money magic. Like I like to say that it's usually like a three-step formula and it's, they're pretty broad. The steps are like align your intentions, embody them deeply, take inspired action daily. And I got that from actual magic. So like I am a practicing witch. That's like how I identify. And that those are the steps that you really need to like for, to cast an effective spell. Meaning like when, when you say like align your intentions, that's about making sure you don't have internal resistance. 
And so when it comes to making money, that's where it's like, you have to take inventory of like, where are the places where I'm holding shame? Where are the places where I'm not being honest with myself or I'm not being authentic about what I want? You know, a lot of times we kind of plug along in our careers because we think like, this is the path I need, I'm supposed to take, or this is like, I can't leave this job because people depend on me or my parents will not be proud of me if I like leave my legal career behind or whatever it is, right? That's like, you know, where it was for me. So aligning your intentions is about getting your brain on board with like what it is you're actually wanting, because it's not just about making money. It's about making money in a way that's going to be sustainable for you. And so that is like where you have to like really do the deep dive on like what's going on in my brain that's creating resistance to me making like getting ahead when it comes to making money. Embodying your embodying those intentions, that's when we get into the things about like how am I going to create a life that starts looking like how I envision my life when I'm making the money that I want. And so that goes in a few different ways. So first of all, if you've never seen somebody who has the kind of life that you want or the job that you want, it's going to be really hard for you to create it because your brain's like, well, that doesn't exist. So you have to like find people, like find role models who show you like, hey, what you want is possible. It's out there and you can find it. It's also about like, how do you get your day-to-day routine or your environment set up in a way to support those new goals? So that can look like something magical where it's like deity work, right? You can like work with a god or a goddess because they represent something, right? Like a really easy example is like Venus or Aphrodite. Oh, I want to like find love. And so if I'm trying to like embody Venus or like Venusian energy, I'm going to like make sure I like look cute every day. I feel beautiful. I wear perfume, like things like that. Not necessarily because it's like, oh, I'm going to do that and I'm magically going to attract somebody, but because it makes you start living like you are that person, like you do have that thing. So I talk about breaking that down and thinking about what your rich life looks like. So, you know, if, and even if you don't have the funds to get it now, there are usually ways to get there. So let, like, let's say you're like, okay, well, when I have that goal, I'm going to have a cleaner because... I'm a messy slob and I can't keep my house clean. I am one of these people. So I don't like to clean my floors. It's like the grossest thing to me. I do not like to sweep or vacuum or mop. Like that's like the thing that I cannot seem to do. But I do love to cook. So I could trade with a friend. I could say like, hey, you buy the groceries. I'll meal prep for you for like the week. Like do all your dinners so you don't have to worry about it. And all you have to do is clean my floor. And like we trade And my brain doesn't know the difference. My brain's like, we have a cleaner now. Look at us. And what happens is that your brain says, wait a second. I'm only supposed to have this once I have the goal or once I have the amount of money. Because your brain is a problem-solving machine, it'll start to find solutions to close the gap. That's when you start getting these inspired ideas on like, maybe I should reach out to this person. Or maybe I should look at this job board. Or maybe I should go to this event. And then finally, like taking inspired action daily, that's where it's like you're following that, those intuitive downloads. So some of that, that's like where it comes in the practical financial advice. Budgeting is a real thing that we got to like figure out how to do. So is, you know, um, understanding like personal finance and like what our goals are and how to get there, how to network your way to a job or how to start a business or, you know, getting real with yourself and saying like, I either need to cut my expenses or bring in more money. 
that practical stuff, that's how you take that inspired action. So you're not just following your intuition, you're starting to really go out and change the way that you're doing things. And you know, it can also be like spells and things like that, but really at the end of the day, science, just like they say like magic is science, science is magic. I like to say that money magic is personal finance and personal finance is money magic. You just have to be willing to kind of go out after both. And so that's what this book is doing. It's looking not just at the money mindset aspect, not just at the budgeting and job hunting and starting business stuff, not just at the magic, it's all of it because it all kind of needs to happen together. That's when you start to get those magical effects. And it feels like, wow, my life is like so charmed. And really you're just like doing the work with a new perspective. Yeah, I'm saying that's, I think it'll help a lot of people to look at it like, you know, in a different way than normal people look at things. Um, I agree. Cause like I've said that I was spending years trying to find a book like this because I could find piecemeal things. Like all I could really find was like a spell book for money spells. And I was like, that's not really what I'm looking for. Like I want to like, you know, I need to like look internally and then I also need like practical steps. And then I also want to understand like how the science of all of this works. And like, I wanted a bunch of different things and I could never find it in one space. So I was like, well, I guess I, I guess I'm going to have to create it then. And that's where that book was born from. There you go. Um, and now it's okay. So it's available pre-sale. Where can people find it? So if they just go to the witchesweightofwealth.com or come to my website, which is jessicadasilva.com, there's like a books tab and that'll take you straight to where you can order it. But it's wherever books are sold. It's on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Noble. Like I'm very like proud of the fact that I'm like out there. I'm like on target and stuff. I'm like, look at me. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to plug this. If you need the book, uh, go to Betty's pages. There you go. Yes, Betty's pages. Like I've been pointing everybody there. So that's uh, like the, you know, I want to support Nicole as much as I can. I love her, love her place. And uh, so when you, when you release, how long does it take till you become a bestseller? Oh, so I've had that on my manifestation list for years, like being a bestseller, like a New York Times bestseller. And I know there's a lot of politics that goes into the New York Times bestseller list. But that's just the the sales number I've had in mind. So you can hit it at any at any point, but your best bet is usually in the first week because all your pre-orders count yep. toward the sales of that first week. So yeah. There you go. I say and that'll be uh so pre-order the hell out of this yeah. so that way we we can get two copies, one with a gold ribbon on it that says number one bestseller. And then the yeah. original. Yeah um so excited yeah it's like I've, I've been manifesting it and i have like i'm getting the feeling like i feel like it's gonna happen because the response to it has just been like so crazy so far it's been like people are really excited about it when they hear about it when they see it you know my agent got her like a box of copies and she said they were gone within the same day because everybody in the office wanted a copy good that's awesome um and, and you know you you bring up the difference between men and women for pay and things but you know we we talk about it right there's dave ramsey there's the money guys there's a lot of men with the money aspect and then 
you know, when you try to list off the women that are involved in money, There's I don't even I don't remember her name. She's pretty big. But then you get the the, the Shark Tank lady or ladies. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Bar- Barb and whatever. Lori. Lori. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. you know, really, it's not it's not a common thing. So, like, getting more women that are doing this will hopefully get people like my niece to start fucking doing money things. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we have Christmas present right here right? i've already bought her all of her christmas present i'm not buying her anymore we have i will buy girls that. that we coached yeah that got turned on to jesse because we had her on the show yeah jessica loves her yeah and my daughter listens too yeah Aww. so i mean there's very few episodes these people listen to of us they, yeah they just hey. well i mean they've listened to us so many times they're yeah. just annoyed with us yeah but they do like the Jesse De Silva episodes. Oh, that makes me that makes my heart like so happy yeah. because Ma- I love talking to like young people, like it's because you know, it's so cheesy, but like they are the future. So mm-hmm. and they're they are like sponges. They wanna like soak up everything. Like when something resonates with them, they listen and it yeah. sticks with them forever. Mm-hmm. Um say so, and now do you do any youth events? I mean, I haven't specifically, but I would love to. Like, yeah. you know, I would be happy to talk to young people. So, yeah, that's I think where my passion is, is mm-hmm. David as well. Um, we like teaching the kids. We do. I say we love. You know, honestly, all of our favorite episodes are pops and pennies. Yeah, the interviews and things like this is great. But we'd much rather just do like a ten minute pops <laughs> and pennies because like we're just like so. Yeah, <laughs> because we hear back from those kids and they're like, "Oh my god, I have my three jars." Yep say um it's just so much better for us um you know but i i think i I wish you the best of luck with it i really do i think it's gonna i think it'll hit top seller um september 19th correct yep that's when it comes out like officially that's what i'm like you know it's like i've been saying from the beginning like i was saying for a long time i'm like it doesn't feel real it won't feel real until i have a copy and like I have a copy now, and it definitely feels realer. But I think it's going to be a whole different level of real when I like see it on a shelf in a store, mm-hmm. and like I didn't put it there, you know, like it's yeah. been like they ordered it and put it on the shelf. That's going to be a, a new experience for me. Which I'm, I'm super excited for like your social media when you go because I feel like you're going to be a lot like me. Well, you'll go around to these places and just start taking selfies with your own book and be like, "That's me." <laughs> What's oh, yeah. up? Like yes, spotted here, spotted there. You know, I think that's gonna oh, be great. I will. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Um. So I, I'm gonna hold you to that, and then and then maybe you'll follow Bucks and Brews after that on your Facebook page. I do. <laughs> I don't know why it's not showing. Say, I'm so heartbroken. Um, we we should, you know, you're pretty you're a pretty big deal. Just call Mark yourself and tell him to fix his shit. <laughs> say like zuck what's up bro uh fix your shit um if only yeah so i don't know i don't know if you'd be a cool guy or not i don't think him and i would get along (laughs) so it's weird how that works (laughs) um so all right now the people you're you're dealing with are you trying to do a lot of college college talks right because i mean people you know i know you have a law background but like are you just gonna go do a lot more college things or i would love to like again like it's you know breaking into like the college speakers circuit is its own thing um really? but that's like yeah oh yeah it's like its own thing they have like a conference every year you have to have like a table and stuff like you know it's 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 like it's 
it's its own thing. So I've just kind of said, you know, I'm not going to like, I'm just going to let them come to me because sure. they will. It's only a matter of time. They'll <laughs> find me. Um, have you ever been to FinCon? No. Oh my God. I want to so bad though. Yeah. Have you guys been? Are you I have going? not, but it's been on my list and uh, I'm trying to convince my wife. I, you know, I was telling her, I was like, oh, we're having the millennial money, which she goes, I want to be called that. And I was like, you actually have to <laughs> do something with money. And she goes, I make it and spend it. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I guess. It doesn't really right? count. Yeah. Touche. I don't know. Fight Jesse for it. And she's like, huh. I was like, no, like I, I know your wife that that no. Yeah. Um and I love your wife. Love her to pieces. No. Yep. Not not with money. No. Um, you know, she was bragging to me that she was all proud that she's putting money away. And I was like, I'm very proud of you. I'm, I'm you're doing more than me. I don't have a 401k, that's for sure. <laughs> you don't have a job. <laughs> so I'm broken homeless. Um <laughs> but no, I so college so there's circuits now what do you i guess what do you like to teach do you like to teach your whole business like in general like hey do you would you rather teach people how to get their dream job or would you rather teach them more on the financial side of things see i like love all of it like to me you know one of the biggest struggles i had in traditional employment is that I get bored so easily. Like if I'm in something for long enough and I love the space I'm in now because I get to span a few different topics and I have fluidity to it. I like to feel that I don't have the same day twice. And so that's why I think I like to, you know, have a few irons in the fire as far as topics go and people whom I teach. So, I mean, like, it's hard to say, like, I go through phases where, like, I've definitely been more on, like, the dream job thing lately, just because I've had lots of people asking me for it. My audience has been all about that. But I love the entrepreneur stuff, too. I love helping business owners because it's never the same problem. Like, I, <laughs> and I love a challenge like that. It feels like a puzzle to me. Like, let's figure out what's not working. And figure out what will work for you. That's like really fun. So I love working with business owners and companies because it's never the same. Whereas with job hunting, yes, it can be more formulaic, but that what's always fun for me in that space is seeing how people build relationships and like helping them, you know, kind of dispel this idea that networking is something where they got to like put on a stuffy suit and, go to some stuffy events and collect business cards and then they don't know what to do with the business cards. I like see like hearing their stories where they're like, oh, and I went to this like, you know, fun thing and I met these people and they just so happen to know these other people. And like hearing hearing the momentum that builds from that and seeing how they like build these networks and these communities, that's always like so fun for me. So I don't have favorites. It's a long way of saying I don't have favorites. No. Um and there's a reason I like so many different topics is because it all comes back to money mindset. It all comes back to that. Um, just come, it's just kind of like different flavors of it. Yeah. That's I, I, I do a lot of networking events. And, I mean, David knows that I, I don't show up in a stuffy suit. And if it is a stuffy suit place, I mean, I'm already, my wife's just not getting it. My cousin doesn't listen to this, but I don't even want to go to her wedding. Because they they're requiring, they're not requiring, but strongly required, suggested slacks and a tie. 
Okay, I am. I, I wear slacks. I mean, to tell you how much we don't want to wear slacks, I wore fucking kilt this year to national bowling, right? Like, can't you wear a kilt to this or no? No, I asked my wife if I could. I was like, I'll wear my kilt and a freaking tie, but I think my aunt will escort me out. Um, but I'm sitting here just going, I don't know why. Like, I don't want to dress up anymore in my life. That's not who I am, right? Yeah, I don't like pants uh, either. Yeah, it's just. I've gotten to the, you know, and I have no problem putting on shoes, but it's sandal season still here in this yep. world. Uh, yeah. I don't, I, I only get four months of it. Okay. I don't, I don't want shoe weather. <laughs> so. Sounds yeah. to me like you need a hot pink tiger print suit. I, I think you do. If they made them in my size, I would. Okay. But they don't. I mean, like I got it from Eloquii, which is a plus size brand. So you can probably order a higher, like a bigger size and then have it tailored. I'm just saying. I, you know, I might look into this because, um, you know, I've tried, I've tried those like loud mouth things, but yeah, no, they don't go to my size. I'm, I'm a big dude, big dude. So, um, and I don't make enough money to have everything custom yet. So, you know, I figure if I had that kind of money, I guess I'd probably have a personal trainer to lose some weight but um say and then go to the normal size suit but yeah no it's it's getting to that point because i love being loud and because i even told her i was like hey i told my wife i'm gonna go spend a shit ton of money because i'm gonna go get some like lime green pants i'm gonna go yes. get freaking i'm gonna go get you know i have a, a lime uh, green blazer who, yeah, that i love so a baby blue shirt with an orange tie right like home. that's who I am. So you, you talk about magic and it's, it's weird. Cause like I'm a magician, right? So like, mm-hmm. and when I was fitting into my outfit, I, I had a white tux, I had white pants for a tuxedo, uh, orange vest. Uh, I had a different color tie, like a lime green tie or a, a blue tie type, like everything. I, I wore a lime or like a different colored shoe on each foot. Like it was clown mixed with still very classy, of having a tuxedo on and it was great and i love that like that's who i yeah. am as a person right like but you know i can't do this whole how did the lime green go over great <laughs> no i met with your wife for the wedding At, um she's like eh, if you want to and i was like i want but to. you do yes. want to right like you know give me like i don't know i want to go get my head put on a suit right mm-hmm. like just there's me nope sorry they're slacks they're dress ones too you should I'll... check like etsy i bet somebody would like create something yeah. for like you know more oh, an affordable rate i'll get them pleated and everything right because i have no problem with, like make it classy make it stand out yeah. right um so all right we we so you're in jacksonville now is that no I'm now gathering? i'm in gainesville gainesville okay sorry um and what made you move well my fiance got a job he graduated with his phd um, oh, yeah yeah so you know and sounds I like a in, loser <laughs> <laughs> i lived in tallahassee i'm like i'm a gator and i was living in tallahassee for him to get his phd for you know the past almost three years so now it's his turn to be in enemy territory so Yeah, he got a job. And so, you know, he's going to be teaching at two different campuses and Gainesville's right in the middle between the two. So it works out perfectly. So now I'm back in my home turf. um, And thankfully, he loves it. He's admitted it's better than Tallahassee. So that's all that matters. Good. 
Good for you guys. Um, yeah. And my wedding invite is where? Oh, will I we haven't make... officially... I we didn't make that list started either. planning it. We haven't. Yeah. I know. Well, we've been engaged for almost like four years now, but Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But next year we're saying next year, we're finally going to do it. We're going to do a Halloween wedding. So. Oh, I'm nice. totally in. Um, yeah. I guess I have to fly down to Florida. Do I have to wear uh, slacks and a tie? Yes. Okay. I've said, you don't have to, I've said like classy Halloween, not polyester Halloween, but you know, you can wear whatever. It's fine. in a pimp suit. I mean, I got a <laughs> say, I got a costume. Yeah, say, uh, I've said, a, like we're looking at like maybe Savannah, maybe New Orleans, so that way it's like already kind of spooky vibes. Um, there you go. So we haven't so, started planning because he just started his job, and he's the one who's got to rein in my tackiness. So you yeah. know, well, let me just put it out there. The good news is the, the most handsome person you're looking at on this thing right now happens to be ordained. Uh-huh. And so, uh, you know, I, I work for beer. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, uh, you know. That is I'll, good info. Yeah. I say I'll be up there in my uh, my preacher Halloween costume, just making jokes the whole time. <laughs> so, but We went to a wedding where the both the grooms, like one of their moms, like their mom um, dressed up like, um moira and schitt's creek when she yes. like married them yeah she did the whole outfit with the big like bishop hat it was amazing it was so funny i'm and jealous i didn't get invited them. to that one yeah that one was last year that was so fun yeah um let's say anything else david i think we hit a lot today jesse anything else that we've missed that you want to update us on in your life and what's going on no, but I do have two pieces of advice I'm going to leave people with um, because some people struggle with the set, like discussing salaries with like friends and coworkers and stuff. So this is a tip I got from the interwebs a few years ago that has never failed me. And it's called the over under game. So if somebody is reticent to like give you their salary, you can say, well, do you make, can you tell me if you make over or under this number? So you'll be like, 40,000 over or under. Okay, they'll be like over. 50,000 over or under. And you keep going until you kind of have an idea of where they are. So that's like a nice way to like figure out what people are making in your workplace without being so blunt or like making them feel uncomfortable. And the other thing, the question where they ask about like, where do you see yourself in five years? You answer it honestly, right? You know, you can say like, oh, well, you know, I hope that I'm in a place where blah, 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 blah. But I always like to follow it up with the question of what do you offer your employees to make sure that they are still here in five years? Yeah. It's, yeah. Why not put it back on them? If they're going to put it on you, put it back on them. I ask that question every time. Cause they, you know, I'll get asked that question. Hey, where do you see yourself in five years? I see myself in a top leadership management position above where you are currently. What are you going to do to help me get there? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know, that's a really quick take on it. Okay, great. Like you, you don't know anybody that's that ambitious to get to that point. Like, doesn't mean you have something there for me, right? I'm telling you where I see myself. Hold on. And then and I've actually followed it up too with, I don't know, where do you, where do you see me in five years? Right. I've asked oh. that. And I'm like, cause I've told you, where, where do you see me? Well, wherever you want to get to. No, that's, that's not true because you haven't like i told you where i want to be i want to be a vice president of the company what do i have to do to get there right like 
And, I and, love that. Oh, I yeah. love that. But I'm very blunt and forward, mm-hmm. which is why I don't get a lot of position things uh, because people are like, yeah, no, that's kind of full of shit. And I'm like, oh, I'm like I, I'm, I'm holding you accountable. You got, I'm going to rephrase that for you. It's why you've dodged so many bullets. It's <laughs> a fact. So, yeah. So, you got to be authentic in those interactions. Otherwise you wind up in a place where, you know, they don't like who you actually are. Right. I think we talked about it on the episode with you uh, about uh, asking about money and time off and things like that, because, you know, the person that was doing my pre-interview was like, maybe you shouldn't ask those questions fuck those are the only things i care about like right. those are the questions what does your benefits look like what what does my time off look like what is i say i'm here for a paycheck okay i'm trading you my hours for your money right so. yeah people forget that sometimes but that's the other thing is like it's it's okay to like bounce like if you mm-hmm. know in a job interview or a screening that you're like oh this is not going to be aligned you can say that you can just say you know Based on how this conversation's going, I can just tell that this is not the right position for me and I'm not going to thrive here. So I, I want to thank you for your time and I'm going to see myself out, basically. <laughs> yep. And it's not burning a bridge, right? Because you never got you don't want to go to that place anyway. Yeah. So. Yep. And, and just, you know, I people have to get the... I don't know, the guts to go say those mm-hmm. things and go do it, right? Because really value your time yeah i i mean how many how many interviews have you ever sat through where they're just asking you stupid questions and it's just like are you serious right now like right i don't know why i'm answering this <laughs> you know um those are some of the funnest interviews honestly yeah because by that point i just don't have any fucks left to give <laughs> so you just start setting <laughs> things up so yeah i saw a meme the other day that was like why do you want this job and it was and the answer was like because y'all hiring what the fuck say like, <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah yeah what what drew you to this company the now hiring sign you put yeah, out okay right. like you you said pay for work i said i work for pay okay <laughs> that, i thought that's all we needed here yeah um i don't you know i want to touch base if you wouldn't mind i guess uh can we reiterate with a couple of these people what are some red flags to look for in a company Oh, okay. My top one is anytime they say we're like a family. We're like a family. That's like, and it's not always a red flag. I'll say it's more of like a pink flag. Like you got to like kind of do your due diligence because whenever I hear we're like a family, what I hear is we have no respect for your boundaries and we'll say whatever the fuck we want to you. (laughs) Right? Like that's what I hear when I hear like we're like a family. And, like, people will say things outside of that where it's, like, you know, they'll maybe say, like, oh, you know, everybody gets along. We're all friendly here. You know, people hang out outside of work. But, like, for some reason, the phrase, we're like a family here, that always seems to be, like, a red flag for me. Um, If somebody pushes back on, like, normal standard questions, like you were saying about salary, about vacation time, things like that, if there's pushback there, that tells you that like they have some kind of problem with you advocating for yourself. Um, You know, I always tell people like never, like when they're asking for salary, like you never want to give the first number. So even in job applications, if it's requiring you to put in an expected salary, I always say put in a fake number, you know? So like one, 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 or something like that, where it's like obviously not a real number and just instead go with the phrase, I'll accept any reasonable offer. But 
sometimes people push back about against that. They'll be like, that's so wonderful. Great. But like, what is it really? And you'll be like, well, you know, what really matters to me is that I'm in the right place, doing the right kind of job, blah, 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 blah. And they'll be like, okay, so cute. Uh, what is your expected salary? And you can say, what's your budget for it? What's your range? What's the range for the position? And if they push back and say something like I've heard before, which is, well, that's doing it backwards. <laughs> then you got to run in the other direction because that just means they're trying to get you as cheaply as they can. Yeah. So I, those are like my top ones. Yeah. It's like when Pete, when there's pushback on questions like that, you know, if they like, especially in like salary negotiation, if they're going to be like shitty about it, they're like, that's how they're starting off the relationship when they're trying to impress you. Just imagine how much worse it's going to be when you want to raise. Yeah. I, remember my mcdonald's application uh it said uh requested salary and i, I put eighty two thousand dollars um <laughs> and they brought that up to me they're like you 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 put eighty two thousand, and i was like yep that's where i that's where i'd like to be why don't you tell me what you're looking to hire at and uh they're like well we start at you know eight dollars and 75 cents an hour and i was like okay well like, sounds great but you asked me where i want to be okay like that's that's where i want to be i'm um, here to dream big all right yep. like <laughs> and uh I, I walked out of an interview one time because i was getting into an argument um you know they asked hey do you have any questions and i said yes you know what's what's your starting salary here and the corporation oh we don't talk about that in the first interview and i said great sounds like there won't be another interview and i got up and walked walked out because i was like you're not going to sit here and tell me how much you're paying you're wasting my time at this point that's a right? fucking like, trap yeah give, give me yeah. so they got they're like what and like i literally got up and i was like yep i guess there's not a second interview here i was like you're not getting me to come mm -hmm. twice without telling me what i'm gonna come work for and uh yeah. that was fun <laughs> so yeah um I'm, the I'm mantra i have is asshole. like person to give the first number loses so yeah. make it the make it the company it can't be you because yeah. they have manpower that you don't. So. Yep. Well, and you know, I always ask for more because you can always go, you can always go down. You can't ever go back up. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll say like, if somebody comes back to you with like a salary, you actually love. Cause I've had a lot of people where they're like, Holy shit. They just gave me like, like offered me double what I'm making now. Oh my God. It's so amazing. And like, if you like the salary, I say just for practice, ask for 10 K more. So yeah. if like you're going to give a number, always give 10K over what you feel comfortable asking for because you never know. So mm -hmm. like I had someone do this where she had been making like 50 something a year and then she goes to like at like a smaller law firm, like small to mid-sized law firm. She ends up going to work for a big law and they come at her and they're like, how about 110? And she was like, oh my God, I was expecting 100. Like this is insane. This is so much money. And I, and she remembered what I said. I said, at least ask for 10K more. So she said, you know, I was really hoping to be more in the range of 120. They didn't even blink. They were like, okay, we'll make it 120. We'll have yep. you come on. Boom. And like, it was like, that was 10K that was on the table that she would have had no idea was there if she hadn't asked. So even if it's a salary you love and you're tempted to take it, just for practice, ask for another 10K. You never know. And, and you can ask in a way of, you know, I was really hoping for, you know, yeah. this. Uh, and, and trust me, they have no problem coming back. Well, you know, hey, 110 is really where our max is. Mm -hmm. um, we'll give yeah, you time to think about it. And honestly, at that point, if you're really excited about it, just say, you know, 
I you think can I can still I, say I, yes. I, I think yeah. I can do that. Let's start and see where it goes. And I and well maybe we can renegotiate yep. in three to six months, right? When you see my work exactly. performance. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. and then in three to six months they just tell you to go piss off. But still, uh, I say no, it's you know, and then so again, you you're not locked into the uh, mm-hmm. there, nobody's ever gonna go, yeah, no, we're not doing that bye, unless they didn't want you in the first place, yep. right? Yeah, if somebody were to like revoke a job offer because you tried to negotiate the salary, that tells you everything you need to know about them. It's <laughs> like, not a major bullet, like yep. honestly. So yep. yeah, I always say, like, you know, companies like that's part of the job. That's yeah. part of the job of hiring somebody is negotiating the salary. That is a normal part of like business operations, whether you're a nonprofit or what, like that's part of it. And so if they're gonna act like that's like offensive for you to do, then that just tells you everything you need to know about the culture. Yeah, I mean, even at, even at Gentex, I, I, they're like, this is what we start everybody at. And I was like, nah, I wanna be at like 10, 10, you know, or 11, 10. Well, no, we start everybody at 11. No, I, I want to be 10 cents higher, right? Just, no, we don't do that. And I was like, all right, fine, I'll take it. <laughs> but like, I knew I was going into the next level like two days later, which was going to be, right. you know, 1370 or whatever. But yeah, I literally was fighting for, for a tooth and nail. I'm like, no, this is what I want to get hired in at. <laughs> so yeah, no one else is going to advocate for you. You have to advocate mm-hmm, for yourself. Yeah. So, no companies. I mean, if companies were handing out money for free, everybody'd work there. But like, right. no company's ever just going to go. Yeah, sure. Here, here, go. Like, have fun with it. So, right. Yeah. Every, everybody gets fifty million dollars. <laughs> so, um, no, I think those red flags are great. Um, you know, I I will go back to the one that you said originally. Right, we're like a family. One of the companies I applied for was like, yeah, we're we're like a family, and I was like, what do you mean? And they're like well you know we have company party company picnics stuff like that and then it, it was like well the owner his son is the vice president and his nephew's the head of the department over here and i was like all right does anybody in the family work on the floor right like is this a real yeah. like you got no you guys are family we're just working for this fucking family <laughs> like that's what's going on here but yeah his his wife's a secretary right i'm like yep i see where mm-hmm. I'm the head of HR and I'm, you know, the niece. And I was like, yeah, okay. I see where this is going. We're having a meeting last week oh. before my boss goes on vacation. And she goes, hey, uh, anybody going to the summer celebration they're doing at, at all of our campuses? I went, hell no. It's <laughs> the first one to answer. And she's like, oh, I'm not driving in to eat your shitty food and hang out with people I don't know or like. No, not doing it. I'll stay home. Thanks yeah mandatory fun is like not the vibe no i i always (laughs) so when i worked at gentex they had a pumpkin carving contest oh god okay oh that's different okay like i would sign up for that so fast well so the problem was is it was like a vote by your peers type thing and my boss is or at the time he was he's an artist i mean he he's done so many children's books he's done some adult like he's an artist he's a real artist like fucking factual right and then there's all these other people that took so much time to like do their pumpkin right and i walked in with this little gourd and just took a, a plastic knife from the from the drawer and just wrote gentex on it and walked around to everybody and made them vote for me so, so i went 100 bucks and like and it's funny because the people that this is bullshit bullshit and i was like see the idea is not how much effort you put into it and what you did it's literally can you get these people to side for you this is how this is how this company works 
I was like, <laughs> I, and they, they, it was, they, everybody was pissed, right? Because you're like, what the fuck? Like, how do you get, and I was like, I just asked for their vote. They said, I don't give a shit. Because they didn't get into it. I'm like, yeah, Nick, I got you. Nick, I got you. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, uh, that That's was my hilarious, right? I think yeah. I probably found the gourd on the side of the road on the way driving right. in, right? Um, but hey, 300 bucks, I'll take it. Yeah, no you gotta know your audience. Yeah. That's exactly it. I mean, bosses didn't need money. <laughs> so, but, you know, he's got this elaborate, huge, like, he's oh, got, yeah. you know, 20 hours on it. And there's me in the morning with a plastic butter knife for six seconds, just jig. <laughs> <laughs> but. Oh, all right. I uh, say, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, shout out to Perrin for some beers. Um, I do have a Perrin no rules in my car that I'm going to drink on the way home. Uh, sorry, that said pause for laughter. No, say, uh, <laughs> um, say if, if you're still listening, thank you. Like, subscribe, share, tell your friends, tell your family. We appreciate you joining us. David, what did you have to drink? Uh, I had the forbidden fruit that was the watermelon, yep. which you did not like. I had a juicy peach from Lining Kugels and I had a juicy pear. And oh, then uh, Pigeon Hills salted caramel porter. There you go. And Jesse, thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, congrats on the book release when it happens uh, September 19th. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get it at Be- Betty's Pages. You can get it on Amazon. Anywhere books are sold what did you have to drink i had swamp head wild night which is their honey cream ale there you go uh again congrats on all the success we're looking forward to having you on again uh and hopefully when you come here to michigan for your book signing and uh there'll be at least two people in line for the book yes um i bet we could probably get three but i i would say there's two of us for sure at least two of us (laughs) awesome i'm looking forward to it take care all right have a good night guys all right thanks for joining as always people and we will talk very soon you've dialed in to box and brews you might hear something you can use like tips on your cash or tips on the suds you're gonna want to use the smarts of these stuff because they know the brews and they know the box and they know they can't help the stubborn fucks so listen up because shit's not funny and save yourself some beer money bucks and brews bucks and brews and brews bucks and brews